Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, welcome back to Basketball Conference, the ACC Football Podcast. My name's Joey Weaver. He is Mike McDaniel. Mike, team previews are done. We have one last season preview to do. We're talking about the whole conference tonight, baby. And after we talked to different people for every team throughout the way, there's no way we were doing this by ourselves. Who we got with us tonight? Same guy who was here to help me last year, Joey, when you were off being a dad. Tony Syracuse, last word on college football managing editor. Tony, what's going on? Thanks for joining us once again. Glad to do it, guys. Joey, Mike, glad to be here. I appreciate, appreciate the call. Yeah, Tony, really glad to have you on here. Really appreciate you coming on now that I'm done being a dad. Um, we have a, a big conference preview. Wow, how did you pull that off? You're finished already? <laughs> I, did, I, you know, figured that was uh, what Mike was implying, so, you know, just roll with it. Uh, okay. <laughs> appreciate you coming on. Looking forward to talking about the whole ACC tonight. Um, we, sure. We're going to do something maybe a little bit different than what we've done in the past for this full conference preview. Wanted to structure this around five questions and kind of use those five okay. questions to help inform this discussion, kind of steer it a little bit and just see what kind of comes out and how we're feeling about the ACC going into the year. So okay. first big question, and, and Tony, we can start with you here. Is an ACC player invited to the Heisman ceremony in December? And if so, who? Um, likely. And if there is one, it's going to be Drake May, the quarterback at North Carolina. I'm there. I am all the way there with Drake May. I'm not sure I'm there with Carolina uh, as a whole. Drake May's the guy, though. Joey? I'm, I'm, I'm there with Drake May, but not being there with Carolina is why I say I'm not, I don't think he's going to make it there. We we did the the preview earlier with uh with, with Rod Baxley and we kind of agreed. I mean, this feels like it's going to be like an eight and four Carolina team, even with Drake May at the helm. You got an eight and four team. I don't think he's making it to New York. So as good as he is and as good as he can be, I, I don't think he makes it there. I'm going to say that yes, somebody does get there. I'm going to say it's Jordan Travis out of Florida mm-hmm. State. I think a big year for him and for that team. I think he'll get to New York in December. I think May's got some adjustments to make, and I know you guys covered it with your North Carolina preview, but obviously with Phil Longo gone to Wisconsin and losing as much talent in the skill positions as North Carolina has, there's some big adjustments that May is going to have to make. But I think that even with and, – and look, I think that this is a quarterback – obviously this has become a quarterback-dominated award – and you look at the quarterbacks across the country, and it's a long list of guys who, who are going to be in the top 10. Um, but I think even at a 9-3 and three that I'm going to put North Carolina at, I, I, I think May gets there. That's fair. Joey, you mentioned the Jordan Travis point. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm there with you. My only concern with Florida State potentially, right, is, and, you know, I think – they're fortunate they're getting LSU early because I think even if they lose that game, I don't think it's going to do anything necessarily to any of their aspirations moving forward just because they get a matchup with Clemson You know, later on in September. They have you know, an opportunity if they run the table to get to an ACC championship game. If you win that and you're a one-loss ACC team, you're probably going to make it into the college football playoff. But if Travis plays poorly... In the LSU game, I don't, first of all, I don't expect him to. I think he'll play. I think he'll play well. I think Florida State will be in that game. I think he'll be very competitive. If he plays poorly in that game, right? I think he's going to be kind of fighting that uphill battle from the outset. It's like, okay, 
Travis struggles in the opener, and then you know you got this Clemson game looming large in September, and Florida State. I think depending on what Clemson's offense looks like. I think Florida State has an opportunity to win that game against Clemson without Travis being like absolutely spectacular. Because look, we don't know what this Clemson offense is going to be necessarily, right? New offense coordinator and Garrett Riley. I that's certainly an upgrade on paper. Cade Klubnick was okay in limited action last year. He wasn't great. I think we're going to find out pretty quickly if that is a byproduct of the offense that they were running or if that's a byproduct of simply Cade Klubnick not necessarily being ready. But Klubnick is going to be, and we talked about this, Joey, too, Klubnick is going to be under the bright lights, really, for like the first time against Florida State. Like That is a gigantic game on a stage he has never necessarily been on before, which is why I think that game could potentially be lower scoring. Does Travis need to be absolutely spectacular in that scenario to win that football game? Maybe not. All that to say that I could see Florida State having a really, really good year and being like a college football playoff type contender. And Travis really just kind of fighting an uphill battle from the sp- from the start, as far as the Heisman race is concerned. If Florida State were to lose that opener against LSU, to care to the point about Carolina and Drake May, I think this is the scenario that sets up for no ACC players to make it because I think there are some decent skill position players in the conference outside of quarterback. But I think when you look at kind of the two candidates in the ACC, I mean, they're Travis and there's May. I think really what it boils down to is, is North Carolina going to play defense this year, right? And if if they don't, right, and Drake May has to put up these ridiculous numbers, and Carolina, let's say Carolina, Tony, to your point, doesn't go 9-3. and three. Let's say they go like 8-4, and 7-5, and five, which I think would be kind of a worst-case scenario for them. Does Drake May even make it then? The answer no. is probably not, right? So I think that's kind of the scenario that sets up for kind of neither one of those guys to make it to New York, but I think those two are far and away like the candidates to make it to New York out of anybody in the ACC. Agreed. Well, and you make the good point about the Florida State schedule, right? And and Heisman voting is kind of a a weird thing. And and Florida State, their two biggest games of the year, they're going to play before the end of September, right? They've got the week one game against LSU, and then it's September 23rd, they play Clemson. And other than that, I mean, their biggest games, I guess, are in the back half of November, basically, Miami and Florida. But Heisman voting seems to be a weird thing where that's the kind of thing where if they win both of those games and Jordan Travis is riding high, I feel like historically the Heisman voters sometimes decide who's going to win the thing in September, early October, right? I think back to like Lamar Jackson. I think Lamar Jackson won the Heisman by like the first weekend in October and actually maybe faded a little bit down the stretch, but it didn't matter because everyone already agreed, like, this is one of the most ridiculous things we've ever seen. Like, and so that's one of the things I think will be interesting to watch is thinking about the way that their schedule is balanced. He, he could win it by, you know, early October. He could be totally out of it by early October, like, like we're kind of suggesting here, too. Yeah, I, I think, and I, I don't have a, among the awards that I have votes on, the Heisman isn't one of them yet. I, I, I want I want that Heisman vote, but um, I look I agree with you, Joey. The there are too many people who vote too early, and so you know you look at Florida State's schedule, you look at that early Clemson game. I mean, he's got it's well set up for him in that Florida State's got an offense that's got what eight starters returning. Um, it's it's a very there aren't really any questions for Florida State on offense; they're mostly on defense. But I don't think that Clemson game, 
really determines uh, where Cade Klubnik is. I think it determines more where Travis is based against a good defense because that front seven of Clemson is still really good. And the linebackers, and, you know, you get a guy like Jeremiah Trotter, you get, you know, Xavier Thomas on the edge. And I think that it's a potential problem game for Jordan Travis. And to have one that early, then, as you say, Joey, means he's kind of fighting an uphill battle the rest of the year. Only other people that, like, we haven't really mentioned in terms of potential Heisman. I mean, we, it was kind of brought up, but Cade Klubnick, playing mm-hmm. for now an offensive coordinator who had a quarterback at the Heisman ceremony last year in Max Duggan, number one. And number two, his running back, who seems like he might be the center point of that offense altogether, is uh, Will Shipley. Uh, I, I think those are also guys I would look at as potential New York invite kind of guys later in the year. But as, as mentioned as well, very much a quarterback award. So I, I would really not put any sort of investment in Will Shipley winning it. But, you know, can you have a good enough season to get there? Maybe who's to say? Yep. Fans fair. Yep. All right. Drake May, Jordan Travis, the two main candidates that we're looking at to uh, go to the Heisman ceremony. Non-zero chance that both of them could go. Always on the table as well. No, no so. huge no huge surprises from this panel here. You know? <laughs> yeah. Not yet. Not yet. Question number two. How many ACC teams will beat Notre Dame this year? Notre Dame currently 1-0. We are about 24 hours removed from their 42-3 season opening win over Navy. Uh, that was obviously not a very competitive game. Notre Dame looked really good, uh, dominated really on kind of both sides of the ball. Um, Navy, in a situation, they've kind of got their own issues. So take from that what you will or won't. Up to you. Notre Dame, if I'm not mistaken, plays six ACC games this year. September 9th at NC State, uh, September 30th at Duke, October 7th at Louisville, October 28th against Pittsburgh, November 4th at Clemson, November 18th at home against Wake Forest. So, again, four of those six on the road for what that's worth. Uh, You do have the game against Clemson. Uh, Again, Louisville. NC State both projected to be solid. You know, Louisville's case probably an upstart-ish kind of ACC team. But let me start here. Historically, ACC teams have struggled against Notre Dame. The last time that an ACC team won a regular season game against Notre Dame, does anybody remember what year it was or who won that game? I've been thinking I don't about even this. Have a viable guess. I've been thinking about this for five minutes because you uh, you <laughs> teased this before we started this podcast. I've been thinking about it pretty much ever since in between answers, and I cannot come up with the answer, and it's going to kill me once you announce what it is. You will I remember. have a year. You have a year? Okay, Scott. I have a year. I think it's 2017, but I don't remember who. You'll remember the exact game when I say it. Anybody? Nothing? Nope. The Miami Hurricanes on a Saturday oh, night God. in South Florida, 41-8, to a beatdown. That was the last regular season game that Notre Dame lost to an ACC team. Obviously, they lost to Clemson in the playoff the next year. They lost to Clemson in the ACC championship in the COVID year. But they have not lost a regular season game to an ACC team since then. Will they lose one or more this year? I'll take you want it. this one first, Mike? Yeah, I'll take this one first. <laughs> I am going to say they lose one ACC game. Maybe that's a little low. Maybe that's recency bias because we just watched them just pants Navy on Saturday. Um, 
I look at the schedule, NC State on September 9th is a sneaky tough game. We'll talk about Clemson in a second because that's the one that's the one I'm going to pick. I, I think if Notre Dame loses one, that's probably the ACC game they're most likely to lose. That September 9th game against NC State here in a couple weeks is sneaky. Um, NC State's got a good defensive front. Do they have a defensive front that's going to be able to get off of the blocks of a Notre Dame offensive line that looked really, really good on Saturday? It was Navy, right? But looked really, really good on Saturday. That's going to be the question. NC State's really intriguing. Robert and I, offensive coordinator, Brian Armstrong coming in at quarterback. Uh, Navy had some receivers running open in the secondary <laughs> against Notre Dame on Saturday. They just couldn't complete any sure of the did. passes. Uh, Notre Dame's defense did not tackle very well in the first half. I thought they cleaned it up in the second half and looked a lot better. I think NC State could pose an interesting test, but if this game gets into a shootout, based on what I saw out of Sam Hartman on Saturday, I think Notre Dame's got an added level of explosiveness offensively in the passing game that they have not had in a while. Uh, like a long time. I was thinking about the last quarterback I could think of that's as good as what they have in a graduate transfer in Sam Hartman. And I came up with Jimmy Clausen is the last one I could think of. Like I'm thinking of some quarterbacks that they've had since then. Everett Golson, Brandon Wimbush, uh, Jack Cohn, of course, Ian Book. Deshaun Kaiser. Deshaun Kaiser. Deshaun Kaiser's an like interesting choice. Year. And he had like one good year. Kaiser's probably the best the best pocket passer before that, right? Since since Jimmy Clausen. Brady Quinn. Brady Quinn? Like it has been a really, really <laughs> long time since they've had a quarterback like Sam Hartman who could throw the ball like Hartman has. Um it they have some explosiveness at receiver they didn't have a year ago. They still have a really good running game and a good offensive line, but new offensive line coach Joe Rudolph. Shout out Scott. Virginia Tech, baby. Uh yeah, I mean I, I think Notre Dame, if they clean some things up on defense, which is Marcus Freeman's calling card, I think they'll be fine. Um and I look at the rest of the schedule at Duke. Uh Duke's good, they're well coached. That's gonna be a weird game on the road. Uh Notre Dame's got a better roster. At Louisville, first-year head coach situation. Uh, Jack Plummer doesn't give me a whole lot of pause when I think of like a quarterback that's going to get into a shootout with Notre Dame. I, I just I don't see it there necessarily, even though I think Louisville has the athletes on offense. Pitt is Pitt, but they get them in South Bend, and we'll see how explosive Pitt is offensively. That's one of the question marks in the conference, I think, if Pitt's got anything on offense. Uh, with Dracovic. Turn of Phil Dracovic to South Bend. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's another added element. And then Clemson and Wake Forest. Uh, I'll, I'll let Tony, of course, dive into Wake Forest a little bit more because he covers them day in and day out. Uh, Wake Forest, again, really well coached. A lot of good players, especially on offense. Can Wake Forest sc- stop Notre Dame for four quarters in South Bend? That's probably the big question there. I'm going to go with just one game. I think they lose at Clemson. I, this feels like, based on what I saw on Saturday, it was probably recency bias even with this schedule. It feels like Notre Dame may be able to go 9-3 and because I think they might lose a random one, potentially. But I think they probably pick off one of Ohio State, USC, and Clemson. And I'm betting on it being USC based on what I saw defensively <laughs> against San Jose State. It was not very good. So 
uh, I think Notre Dame's going to have a really good year. I think they lose one ACC game. My money is going to be on it being on the road in Death Valley against Clemson. Tony? Here's the thing. Sam Hartman. I spent way too much time yesterday watching Wake Forest fans be insulted by how much adulation was being given on the broadcast to Sam Hartman and under the concept of, wow, look at all the weapons he has to work with now, as though he was playing with, you know, a bunch of sidewalk kids at Wake Forest for the last four years, Um, which obviously isn't true. Sam Hartman looked good. But you look at the schools that Notre Dame has to play in the ACC, and there's there's a Sam Hartman issue with these teams. When you look at what happened last year, and I'm gonna I'm gonna go all the way to the obscure, to a movie reference, the replacements with Keanu Reeves, where he's talking about quicksand. Yep. There you go, and that's what and he talks about quicksand being the most frightening thing for a football player. Sam Hartman, you look at some of these games, and it was quicksand that undid him. The lambasting in Louisville, as as we called it at last word, when a third quarter that was just epically atrocious undid him. Mistakes against NC State, mistakes against Duke. I mean, he had Clemson on the ropes and, you know, had a – an awesome game against Clemson only to lose in, in double overtime. These were teams that gave him problems last year. Now I'm about to irritate Wake Forest fans even more. He does have more weapons at Notre Dame than he did at Wake Forest. He's got Joe Alt standing in front of him, who is one of the best linemen in the country. Um, he's got an offensive line that while Wake Forest's offensive line was good, it wasn't elite like Notre Dame's is. So there is a little bit of a difference. There are some potential trip-up games. The potential trip-up game is NC State. The loss, which I feel very confident in calling, is the game against Clemson. I don't think they beat Clemson. I really don't. Um, Sam, one of Sam's biggest problems is Sam. When he gets in his own head, um, and he is very talented. He has a terrific arm, but you see him try to make plays that he shouldn't be trying to make, and it's when the mistakes happen. And then he tries to fix them, and I'm telling you, that's what happened at Louisville last year. And with every mistake, he tried to do more instead of just play the next series of downs, play the next down, and he tried to do more, and it was a disaster. Um, Sam is also going to be a different Sam at Notre Dame than he was at Wake Forest. He's not going to be allowed to, and I, I'm, I'm projecting, he's not going to be allowed to get away with some of the things at Notre Dame that he did at Wake Forest, like skipping post-game press conferences um, and not, you know, deciding not to meet with the media during the season. Uh, at Wake Forest, he was made unavailable during the week, even though he was QB1, he was made unavailable during the week and then when they went on a three-game losing stretch in the middle of the season, Sam opted not to do the post-game press conferences in those three weeks also. Uh, he was called out by us at last word. He was called out by several in the media. Um, and, 
you know, so he wound up doing the one after the loss at Duke. Um, and then we had the ignominious delight of being the last question ever asked of Sam Hartman at Wake Forest at the Gasparilla Bowl in Tampa when the word had started to leak out because he had said weeks earlier that he wasn't returning to Wake Forest. The assumption was he was going to put his name in for the NFL draft. We talked to several scouts, so did other outlets, and they were telling us he was a sixth to seventh round pick. They wanted to see him playing more of a pro-style offense, a little less of the slow mesh offense that Wake Forest runs periodically. And then the day of the Gasparilla Bowl, word started to leak out that he was going to Notre Dame. And um, so we asked him, as we knew the questions were about to be cut off in the post-game press conference, at least to him, I asked him, what is your process for deciding what's next? Talk to your family, talk to some other advisors, talk to the Wake Forest coaches, what's your process? He got up out of his chair, said, my process is to go wherever has the best drinks tonight, and he literally trotted off the stage. (laughs) Hell yeah. That was the last we heard of Sam Hartman at Wake Forest. Thank you. <laughs> Good night, everybody. Um, I don't. Th- he's not going to get away with things like that in Notre Dame because it's Notre Dame, and they take this stuff seriously and they take their PR seriously. And he's not going to get away with things like that. So there's going to have to be, even though he's 24 years old and he's in his you know 13th year of college football or so it seems, there's going to have to be a maturation for Sam that's going to get them through this ACC schedule. I think they lose to Clemson and possibly NC State. I sense that you have some opinions on Sam Hartman here, uh, Tony, but (laughs) (laughs) you might have covered him a little bit. Yeah, Yeah, I know Mike knows I don't lack opinions on much of anything. (laughs) Well, and with with all due respect to, to Wake Forest, I think you're probably right that there are more people paying close attention to Notre Dame football than to Wake Forest. Absolutely. Um, that will be that'll be interesting to keep an eye on for sure. Um, I'm gonna I'm gonna say one, but I think it's on the table to lose a second one. And I kind of some different styles here, as we've kind of alluded to, with you know NC State and Pittsburgh being more like able to hang in the trenches. Maybe Louisville with some of the better athletes on the outside, you know, can get into a track meet of sorts. Um, certainly, again, what we saw from from the Notre Dame defense yesterday against Navy was, you know, far from a finished product. I think um, I, they obviously got better throughout the year last year, but you know, time will tell. Uh, I'll say one. I, I do think they lose on the road at Clemson in November. Um, that's another one of those situations we've talked a little bit in the previews about sequencing of schedules, and I, I think Clemson mm-hmm. is a team that they would do better against early in the year than later, as you know, as Cade Klubnick and the rest of that offense get more settled into what Garrett Riley wants to do and they figure things out, they're going to be a lot tougher in November than they will be in September. Um, so for all those reasons, I do think that they lose that game. Not going to rule it out that they lose a second one, uh, but I think history tells me not to pick them to lose more than one here, especially with that one particular one being. Uh, I'll go with one. We agree again, everybody. One, <laughs> one maybe two is kind of where we're at, I think. Question number three, how many ACC teams replace their coach within the next 365 days? (laughs) Now, a couple caveats here. Number one, 365 days intentionally mentioned because, you know, sometimes 
Pat Fitzgerald gets put, you know, raked over the coals in July, and you have to replace him then. Uh, sometimes Bob Stoops just randomly retires in June, and you know, you have to replace your coach at that point. Number one. Number two, I did not say how many teams fire their coach. This could be coaches also taking other jobs. Could be Mac Brown retiring. It could be you know any number of things. So with that being said, fourteen ACC teams. How many of them have a new head coach one year from today? Joey, how about you fire away first here? I think Tony, oh, Tony, and I have both answered uh, answered first on last two. You fire away here. That's all this time winding up the question. Didn't really think you about did. my answer yet. Uh, <laughs> no. Okay, well, if you're if you're not ready, we can I, go first. I'm good. I'm good. I'm good. Uh, okay. uh, I'm going to go with two. We go with two. Yeah. I think it is one team electing to move on from their coach. The two teams that I look at specifically here, I think, are Boston College and Syracuse. I, maybe we're being a little too harsh on Syracuse, especially. Like they're they're coming off a bowl season. Like, are they really firing Dino Babers after a six win season? I don't know. Maybe not. Um, but you know, other everyone else, I don't think is in position to be firing someone. I do think somebody gets fired. It could be Jeff Halfley at Boston College. It could be Dino at Syracuse. I don't. I don't know. I'm not really willing to commit to one or the other. And then I do think that somebody gets hired away, or there's a retirement. Um, the retirement candidate obviously would be Mac. I don't expect that, but he's of the age that like you can't rule it out at any point for sure. Um, does you know? Does a Mike Elko get hired away somewhere? Possibly. Um, does Dave Doran get hired away somewhere? Possibly. Like that's been discussed in recent years, just depending on what comes available. So. I'm going to say two. Dave Clawson, by the way, too. I'm just trying to get all the coaches out of North Carolina is really what I'm trying to do here. So um, <laughs> I, I think one is fired. I think one takes a job elsewhere or retires. But I'm curious to hear your all's takes on this because there were a couple of years recently that the ACC had no coaching turnover uh, at all. So that's totally on the table as well. Are you, Tony? Um, I think it's three Coaching changes, and I think all of them are based on termination. Um, okay. I think Dino. I think Dino Babers is gone after this year. Um, I, I'm stunned that he's lasted this long. I like Dino. I met him when he was a wide receivers coach at UCLA a long time ago. Um, I'm stunned that he's lasted this long. I think uh, Halfley at Boston College is gone after this year. And I think Tony Elliott has a very short leash at Virginia. Wow. Get it, it's year two. I get it. But the performance is so bad that another repeat of last year, and there's, you have a hard time finding where the upside is. You have a hard time finding that light at the end of the tunnel. Um, so I think it's three, and I think all of them are terminations. I don't see Mac retiring I think he's having too much fun and I know that's crazy with what they go through as head coaches but when I talked with him at the ACC championship game uh you know last after this last season he's still having fun he's still enjoying it he hates NIL and he hates the portal um you know I think he's got changes on his staff because I don't really see Gene Chiswick I don't think this is what he signed up for uh, when he agreed to come out of retirement for this. But I think Max stays probably one more year. Um, I don't see a lot of guys getting pulled out. 
I like Elko, but I think he's probably a Duke one more year, proving, you know, because he's got Riley Leonard there, and he's going to certainly ride out this year, see what happens, but I think he's probably got one more year before he gets pulled away to another job. So I'm sticking with the three. Tony, how many wins does Virginia need or would Virginia need, in your opinion, for Tony Elliott to keep his job in this scenario? Five. <laughs> oh, baby. Five. Because yeah. because there's got to be some upside somewhere. There's yeah. got to be a sign of improvement. Look, and I don't mean to be dispassionate, Virginia's gone through a lot in the last year. And so there's a lot of sympathy. There's a lot of empathy. But we're also in the world of conference realignment. And we don't know what the status of the ACC is long-term, long-term in college football these days being next 12 months. And so they, they've got to maintain a, a viable product, a, a aesthetically pleasing product to, to have value to other conferences and not be stuck where they are. And they don't have it right now. They've got to see a light at the end of the tunnel and, I don't have a lot of confidence that he's the guy to, to bring it there. I mean, I think one in eleven for UVA is on the table. Like, it's not impossible. And I think one in eleven does get him fired. By the way, that would be like the doomsday scenario for UVA. I don't see any coach in college football in a Power Five, whatever we are now. I guess we'll still call it Power Five for this year. Uh, any Power Five coach uh, going one in eleven that's not in year one and surviving it, right. I. I think that's entirely possible. I'm going to go with two, and I I reserve judgment on the third. I think a third is possible. I think Jeff Halfley is the coach who is most likely to get fired. I think that Dino's got a shot. I think Dino's always got a shot because, Tony, like you mentioned, I'm also surprised that he last, he's lasted this long at Syracuse. Joey, I think, he's is also a, a little bit fired. surprised. Yeah, he's had a shot to get fired like almost the entire life of this podcast, I feel like. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, it feels like Joey and I every year were like, yeah, so, you know, with the exception of the outstanding Eric Dunchy year, Joey and I every year going into the previews and then when we recap these teams, we're like, yeah, so, Dino Babers, let's have a discussion. Uh, because by the time we do these recaps, Tony, at the end of the year, generally speaking, a coach is either hired or fired, right? And, you yeah. know, a lot of these times, every year so far, Dino Babers has not been fired. And Joey and I are like, yeah, so when is this going to happen? This could potentially be the year if Syracuse ends up being, like, real bad. Uh, So that would be my second most likely opening. And I think the third is Carolina, but not because Mac chooses to retire on his own. I could see a scenario where North Carolina and and Tony Tony Elliott take is well taken, by the way, as a Virginia Tech grad and alum. Um but I could see a scenario if Carolina goes like six and six, which is really hard to imagine given what their ceiling's going to be offensively. But if Carolina goes like six and six, are they going to continue doing this? Like, are they going to continue running Mac out there with the recruiting classes they've had and just kind of the lack of quality wins and quality outcomes to show for it are they going to keep doing this so that would be my potential 
my potential third team, I would say. Uh, and then I think UVA in a doomsday scenario could be four. And I can't imagine a fifth. You know, just if those four play out, what, who's the, who's the fifth going to be? I mean, I agree. I think Elko probably gives it one more year. But we have a bunch of year ones here, too. Or, uh, you know, we got year one in Brenke. We got, you know, year two situations with, you know, Elliot if he keeps his job and Brent Pry at Tech, Cristobal at Miami. It's just hard to imagine kind of where those open other openings come short of these coaches bolting elsewhere. And really the only one I could even think of off the top of my head right now would be Clawson going to Northwestern maybe. That would be, I don't know if that's really an opportunity outside of playing football in the Big Ten, but you're inheriting a mess. Is that really something he wants to do? Probably not. So I'm going to stick no, with two, maybe three. Yeah. yeah. So. I don't think it is. I, I the the Wake Forest fan base would love to to hear that Dave Clawson is going to stay there forever. They love Dave Clawson. Um, I think Dave Clawson's age, which is not advanced age by a football stretch, you know, at all, um, that he's probably got one more big job in front of him. And I think he's going to choose it very carefully, which is why I don't think Northwestern is on the table for him. That's a that's a three to four year resurrection that I don't think he wants to spend his time on. Yep. I was going to say things we've heard about Dave Clawson and things that he really likes and appreciates about Wake Forest. Like there are aspects of Northwestern in a vacuum that I think would be attractive to him. But there's a lot of context you start throwing in. It's like, oh, is this really something he's going to go get get himself in the middle of just to make an extra two million dollars? Uh, probably yeah, not. No. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I safe to say I know Dave, you know, pretty well, and um, you know, we we during the season, uh, you know, we're at his weekly press conferences and talking to him afterwards. He he actually meets with members of the media in an off the record session uh, after the press conference. We sit sit around and eat pizza and you know just you know talk about any random number of things so um, i feel comfortable in my knowledge of clausen and you know there are similarities academically and otherwise between wake forest and northwestern but you know look he's in year 10 at wake forest he's got seven straight bowl games and yeah a bunch of them are the pre-christmas tier three bowl games but it's better than what wake forest had before dave clausen and I don't think he wants to set that aside to go rebuild, you know, over a three to four year period at a place like Northwestern. He's got challenges at Wake Forest. He, he, there are some things that are frustrating to all of the coaches there, not just the football coach, but other coaches as well, mostly having to do with the transfer portal and the admissions department won't let anybody in that isn't a grad transfer. And so it really pretty much stunts the development of a lot of the athletic department programs there. Um, but I don't think you pack up and leave just because of that. Yeah, we've talked about in the day and age of the portal, that is a, a big sticking point for a lot of ACC programs. Is It is a lot mm -hmm. easier to leave than it is to come in as a transfer. Yeah. Um, and that, that doesn't help the league in general, you know, when, when talent can kind of drain and leave and go elsewhere a lot easier than it can, can come in and bolster these rosters. 
I'll right. I'll say this. You know, you guys mentioned the Virginia thing, and I think Mike, you brought up even you know Brent uh, Brent Pry. I got to keep my Brents straight these days. Uh, Brent Pry, as well as Mario Cristobal. It's like I I would really like to think that we're giving guys more than two years. You know, we, everyone gets at least a third year. Now that being said, you know. I think both of you said something to this effect, and I, I kind of agree. Like, I'm not entirely sure how one through thirteen is going to stack up in this conference. I am pretty sure who's going to finish fourteenth, and I, I don't have a lot of questions. That's going to be Virginia. Um, so, it's, it, maybe it's a question more of you know how bad is it versus uh, if they finish there. But I, I think that probably is a lot of what it comes down to. Kind of as Tony, you were alluding to. Um, all right, two for me, three for Tony, two for Mike. So we're going to have a little bit of coaching change this year uh, in the next 365 days. So keep it tuned here. We'll tell you all about it as it happens. You guys good to move on to question number four? Let's do it. Sure. Kind of along the same lines, maybe not totally unrelated. Number four, how many ACC teams miss a bowl game? So historically, usually what? 10, 11 teams in the ACC are going to make a bowl game. Uh, I haven't looked at the bowl tie-ins lately. Uh, I try to avoid the ACC's bowl tie-ins to the degree that I can. Uh, it is not the most uplifting situation. Mike, how many ACC teams missing a bowl game this year? I'm going to go with five. Five? I'm going to go with five. Um, Only nine bowl teams. Wow. I think Syracuse misses a bowl. I think Boston College misses a bowl. I think Georgia Tech misses a bowl. I think Virginia Tech misses a bowl. And I think UVA misses a bowl. Five. I think several teams are going to be on the cusp. I think Syracuse is going to be real close. I think Georgia Tech's going to be real close. I think Virginia Tech's going to be real close. Um, I have some questions about how many games UVA is going to win flat out. That's not me being a Virginia Tech homer, that's legitimate conversation. They're starting an FCS quarterback. Granted, Musket was a very good quarterback at Monmouth. He was an FCS All-American. I get it, but it's a little bit different level of football in the ACC. I just have some questions there. Um, yeah, I five. I, I think five teams miss a bowl. I think several are close. I just think BC has potential to be pretty bad, potentially. I think UVA is going to be real bad. And I think Virginia Tech, Georgia Tech, and Syracuse could be in that five-win range with an opportunity to make a bowl, maybe just miss out. So I'm going to go five. Interesting, because I have five, and I have the exact same five. <laughs> wow. Um, Boom. The, the Basically the bottom five of, of, of the conference with teams that, you know, look, out of these five teams – I've already fired three of the coaches in the previous question. <laughs> so, you know, that says a lot about where, where this is going. And, and to your point, Joey, we, you know, if you're in the ACC and you're in the middle of, of the pack there, you know, you're thanking the bowl situation for all those third tier pre-Christmas bowl games. Um, Cause there's plenty of them there to, you know, make home for the ACC teams that wind up finishing sixth, seventh, you know, eighth in the conference. So I think five miss it. I, I agree. It's Syracuse, Virginia Tech, Georgia Tech, BC, and Virginia. Like I said, I already fired three of those coaches, so there you go. Hell yeah. I'm going to go with four. Um, I, I think y'all are probably right on the grouping. 
I think it's a non-zero chance that that Duke has a, a bad second year. You know, things don't break quite as well as they did in year one uh, with Mike Elko. Uh, I think there's a non-zero chance things for like Wake. You know, a lot of turnover, especially on that offense. You know, we already know Donovan Green. Something that happened since we recorded that preview, by the way. Donovan Green, big time first, you know, returning receiver for Wake Forest. He's out for the year. Uh, we've learned that. Um, I, I think there's a chance that. At least a couple of those teams kind of get stuck on that five and seven or that five win plateau. Don't quite get to six. Fun thing too, especially with these ACC teams, is who gets an APR bowl bid. Uh, that that's always God, on the table now. We've got God. Didn't, didn't consider that. <laughs> Forty three bowl games or whatever the hell it is at this point. Um, so keep that in mind too. I'm going to go four. I, I'm I'm fairly confident Virginia Virginia Tech not going to bowl games. Um, I, I think definitely. Decent shots, as you guys mentioned, Boston College, Georgia Tech, uh, Syracuse, and, and yeah, I'll throw in Wake and Duke. And, you know, there's another team that, that didn't make a bowl game that we're just totally glossing over here. Uh, Miami didn't make a bowl game last year. We'll just make sure we throw that in here as well. So who knows whatever happens in South Florida. Uh, you know, the Canes, who's to say? Who's to say? But uh, I'll, I'll say four. I think a couple of these teams do get to six and six. I mean, at some point, a lot of them play each other, and somebody's got to win these games. Like, <laughs> wins have to happen. Somebody's going to get one in the win column when these teams play each other. So I'll say four, uh, being a little less committal as to who it is. Yeah, that's that's fair. I think four, I mean, if you set it to four and a half, I'd probably lean four faster than I leaned five, you know, from a betting standpoint. So I think it's a fair answer. Well, and I was going to say, keep in mind a couple of these teams, like the out-of-conference schedule. Syracuse out-of-conference, Colgate, Western Michigan, at a rebuilding Purdue, and home against Army. Like, that could easily be 4-0 out-of-conference, and all you got to do is win two in the ACC. Um, Boston College out-of-conference, Northern Illinois, Holy Cross, at Army, home against UConn. Like, that should be at least 3-1 and out-of-conference. You know? So these, there are a couple of these teams that we think might struggle. What's that, Tony? Two and two? Yeah. <laughs> two and two. There are a couple of these they, things I they, think that might struggle that like the out of conference is designed in a way that they could stack up some wins and don't need to do all that well in ACC play to get to a ball game. Sure. Yeah. Shout out to Jim Morey. UConn's gonna beat them. <laughs> and uh, and and you know, hey, maybe Army, I you know, whatever. But you know, I think they go two and two in that stretch when they should be three and one. Sure, sure. That's how you get they fired. Shout out, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> shout out to my Georgia Tech Yellow Jackets, who have Georgia and Ole Miss on the out-of-conference schedule. And, uh, right. Start the season behind the eight ball. Why don't you? <laughs> Let's take a quick second to remind you about Section103.com. It is the Internet's premier place for all things wonderful, wonderful Georgia Tech apparel. They have T-shirts, sweatshirts, hoodies. they got a couple of three-quarter shirts. they got buttons, stickers, all sorts of things. Thanks for men, women, children, something for the whole family. Every Georgia Tech fan in your life can use something from Section103.com. Use promo code GOACC for 10% off your first order. Uh, they've got some new things all the time coming. Uh, recently came out with some new player shirts. Uh, shirts, you know, jerseys, I guess, as the, as the kids would call them. Uh, things with a logo on the front, a number on the front, and a number on the back, along with a name. they got shirts for both Zach Pyron as well as Dante Smith 
who kind of project to be Georgia Tech's starting quarterback and running back this year. So if you want to support those players, I believe they get some NIL money out of it too. So just you know, keep that in mind for what it's worth. Uh, they've got the Junior's Grill shirt. They've got all sorts of great, great products there. They've also recently come out with a clearance section. So if you're looking for some T-shirts or a couple of hoodies for a uh, slightly lower price point, go check out the clearance section. Once again, it is section103.com or at section underscore 103 on Instagram. Give them a follow. Check it out. All things wonderful Georgia Tech apparel. Again, using the official team colors, the official word marks, everything. It is all officially licensed. It is super comfortable, super high quality. I love mine. You will love yours as well. Check out the performance wear if you're you're looking for things to keep you cool here during the summer. In any case, one more time, that is section103.com, the Internet's best place for all things wonderful Georgia Tech apparel. That's it for now. Let's get back to the show. All right. So we've got, you know, handful of teams not making bowl games. Question number five, the final big question before we hit some of the, uh, the macro stuff here. Final question. Does an ACC team make the playoff or do hell, up to you do multiple ACC team playoff? And if so, who? Who's taking this first? I'll go ahead. I am. I've been flip flopping on this a lot. I've been flip flopping on this a lot. I'm going to on the say yes, no, or on the who? Both. <laughs> both. I I think I have settled on the ACC champion being eleven and two. So winning the conference, obviously, with the eleventh win. I think I'm settled on that. Finally. And only because I finally have to answer it. I got to put pen to paper somewhere, and this is it. Like, this is it. I've, I'm finally going to be held to it, Joey. I know you'll do that. Uh, I think I, I think it's 11-2 and two winner. I don't think there's an ACC team that makes a college football playoff. There we go. I'm guessing – well, we'll get to a question here in a little bit, but I'm guessing yeah. I know roughly where where you're at on that. I Yeah, I, I'm going to – Stop my answer there because we have another question coming up here. Obviously, a very important one that I don't want to give away too much of here. Well, I'll go ahead and just dive in and give give away where I'm at. And I'm, you know, I, I'm I am trying to approach this all from a uh, like have a cohesive theory of like how this whole thing is going to go. Um, if you've listened to the previews at all or some of the stuff that we've we've done over the off season, um, you'll probably know by now that I am I am buying what Florida State is selling this year. Uh, I, I believe in the, not only the talent level, but the depth and the experience. So I'm going to say that they get there. But if you hear the tone of my voice, I'm like, you know, if you put a gun to my head, I would feel really uncomfortable about that. So I'm going to, I'm going to say yes. I'm going to say it's Florida State, but you know, I would not be anything remotely near stunned if it didn't happen. Um, I'm going to say no. Nobody makes it. Um, I don't want to delve too deep into the rationale because I don't want to cut off a question that I know is 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 in this conversation. Um, you know, I, I I know who I've got winning the conference, and I have it as not good enough to make the four team playoff. You know, if and 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 ironically, I think if this were the year that we were starting the twelve team playoff. I actually think the ACC could get two teams in. 
based on where I'm projecting oh, yeah. the finish of the season. But based on it still being the four team, nope, I don't think they make it. And I think it just creates a world of problem for, and I'm sorry if you hear my cat screaming at me over here. <laughs> if the microphone is picking it up, he somehow thinks he should be on TV also. Um, the uh, it, it creates a world of problems for Jim Phillips just because another year with no ACC team in while they're fighting for their survival as a conference. Um, but I, I don't think they make it. I have seen a couple of the people predicting like four playoff teams, Georgia, Alabama, Ohio State, and Michigan. It's like, boy, can't wait to watch that. Like, great. <laughs> I mean, are they good teams? Yeah, sure. But like, sure. really? Like that's the best we can do is getting, you know, Four teams from two conferences that probably will have already played each other at that point. Like, are you kidding me? Right. We know Ohio State and Michigan will have played each other, of course, but like, right. good grief. Yeah, and and that it's scenario. not very compelling. But but you know, you look at the other teams that have a shot. Does anyone from the Big Twelve have a shot? Mm, probably not. I'm not a believer in Texas, so you know, probably not. Um, USC. Look, I mean, you know, the defensive coordinator, the Grinch who stole defense, you know, Alex <laughs> Grinch. Is, it, it, I mean, that's just dreadful. That's that defense is unwatchable. So, no, probably not. That defense is going to cost them a couple of games. I don't know where else you go except the, the SEC and the Big Ten. Oh, Ray. <laughs> there it is. <laughs> I mean – Probably fair. Probably fair. Like you, I mean, uh, yeah. I mean, some of the tackling displays from that USC defense last year. War crime levels, like just atro- atrocious. Brother, so last bad. year? Try try last night. Right. I mean, yeah. that's a game, to God. Yeah, they gave up 400 yards to, to, to San Jose State. I mean, it was it – was, and, I, and I like Brett Brennan. He's, he's a terrific young coach, but come on. I mean, this is – you're still the fact that Alex Grinch is still there. He's still running the same defense. Their offense went out and and re, had a great recruiting year. They got some terrific impact freshmen. Their defense went to the transfer portal, and that there's no blend yet. And you can see that in the San Jose State game. There is absolutely no blend in that defense yet. Look at you, fancy boys, with your Pac-12 network access. What's that like? I couldn't tell. Uh, it's called streaming, Joey. Try it. Fair enough. All right. That concludes our five questions. It does not conclude our episode. We have a couple more things we need to cover here. And, and as we've alluded to, that I think the next question here, the next uh, topic we need to hit on will help clarify some of the last couple of answers. Next thing I want to ask you guys. Top four regular season finishers, fourth place, third place, second place, first place. Because, of course, we're not doing the divisional thing now. So it's not who wins the Atlantic and who wins the Coastal. It's about, you know, just, again, straight conference records uh, at the end of the year. Who do you have top four finishers in the league? Mind you, I didn't do this looking, you know, looking at the schedules, you know, and saying, well, these guys got to play these guys in mid-November. I really, I mean... I, I've got a vote in the in the ACC preseason poll, and so you know when I went and did it, I waited until after I talked to all the coaches at ACC media days, and 
you know, was kind of dragging my feet on it because I had some indecisiveness. Um, so really, this this is how I voted. The top four uh, in my ballot was NC State, number four, UNC, number three, Florida State, number two, and Clemson, number one. I am going back on something I said earlier this offseason where I'm not necessarily sure I'm buying that Louisville is necessarily going to take a gigantic step forward as a team in year one under Jeff Brom. I think the media loves him. I think obviously Louisville loves him because he was a great, uh, outstanding quarterback there for them. And he did a pretty good job at a tough program at Purdue. I am not sure Louisville is going to like hit the ground running in terms of like being a complete product, but their schedule is atrocious. I think really Louisville easy. is going to be really, real like eat like easy atrocious. Like like if things fall a certain way, Louisville could be in Charlotte atrocious and not even mm-hmm. maybe deserve to be there. You guys remember in what was that twenty seventeen Clemson Miami. We all knew Miami didn't deserve to be there, and then Clemson reminded us all that Miami didn't deserve to be there. Like That could be the situation we find ourselves in in Charlotte if Louisville potentially makes it there. And that's no slight at Louisville. I just think there's a different level of football being played by the top two teams in this conference. Um, yeah. So I'm going to have gonna... Louisville number five for that very reason, the reasons you pointed out. Their schedule should make life much easier for them. Yeah, so I'm going to have Louisville at four. I'm going with actually Pitt three because Narduzzi has just established a precedent now of just being a seven-win floor program. And if they get literally anything out of quarterback, I know they just lost an All-American rusher, and I get that you know, it's a 1,000-yard back they lost. I get all that. But if they get literally anything out of quarterback – I think that there's a higher ceiling on this offense than there was a year ago. The defense is going to be really good. Pitt's got a decently tough schedule, but I think their ceiling is a little bit higher than Louisville just because Narduzzi's been there longer. There's a little bit more continuity. So I'm going to go with Pitt 3, Clemson 2, Florida State 1. I've been flip-flopping on this as well. Florida State had been my pick to win the ACC pretty much this entire offseason, but then I just think more and more about it and the more I think about the more indecisive I am but what it boils down to for me is Florida State has continuity on the offense and with their coaching staff and overall as a team that Clemson really doesn't have right especially on the offensive side of the ball there are questions with Klubnik it's probably because of offensive coordinator there are questions about how quickly things are going to pick up with Garrett Riley. Not that it won't work long-term. I think it will be the slam dunk higher for Dabo. It'll look great long-term. But how quickly is that all going to come together offensively for them? Who are the skill position players at receiver that are going to emerge? Because really all we know about right now is that they have a five-star freshman or five-star sophomore now quarterback in Kate Klubnick, and they have Will Shipley, who's an outstanding running back. But what else do they have offensively? Um, Florida State, the questions are on defense, but they have enough returning there uh, that I think there's just a more complete product with Florida State. The real question with them is, does Mike Norvell have it in him to win a really, really big game 
on a really, really big stage. Nobody really gave him credit for the LSU game last year because LSU wasn't seen as like the team that they ended up being winning the SEC West. That ended up being a really big win. But what like will Florida State be that team this year to kind of check all the boxes as this is like a real college football playoff contender? That's going to be the story to to watch. But yeah, Florida State and Clemson are, are the top two in the conference for me. Yeah, I mean, I think those top two makes makes a lot of sense. I've since you guys have been talking, I have gone back and forth with like four different teams in like the three four slot. Um, I thought about Pittsburgh, Mike, and then I thought back to Jim Hammett talking about a lot of questions that they have in their receiving core, in particular. Um, I think you know defensively under Narduzzi, like they've always been you know, perfectly good ever since that you know first couple of years. They took a while to sort it out, but since they've gotten pretty solid, they've been solid every year, you know, without a question. Um, you know, Phil Dracovic comes in, feel like that'll be a, a boost, but again, the receiver core and, and the skill talent around him, uh, I think is enough of a question that I'll keep him out of this. I want to be very clear. And as you guys have stated, I'm going to pick Louisville to finish fourth. I am not telling you that Louisville is the fourth best team in the ACC because I don't think that they will be. Um, I, I don't think that they are, you know, fourth in the power ratings or whatever. But like we've said, I just the schedule it, it lends itself so well to them having a, a, a good record at the end of the year. I'm going to pick them to finish fourth. Um, third, I'm going to go with NC State. I think that there are also some questions for them in again the skill, talent, the receiver core, that kind of deal. But I think their defense. From what we heard, it, you know, from from uh, our guy JC, like should be really, really solid. All three levels of that defense. Um, again, you got Robert and I and Brennan Armstrong reuniting. I don't know that it'll be as quite, you know, quite as magical maybe as what we saw at times in Charlottesville with those two. But uh, I, I do think they'll be plenty good enough on offense to be a very solid team in the ACC. I'm going to take Clemson number two and Florida State number one. I don't think that either of them loses a game in the ACC other than whichever team loses that game at the end of September. Um, I, I just I don't, I don't see it from them. What's interesting to me with Florida State is, is you mentioned the whole playoff thing and, and what their final record is. Um, both of these teams do have a, a very difficult game out of conference yep. other than the, you know, the game they're going to play against each other. Obviously, Florida State starts with LSU – here in a few days, and then Clemson later in the year gets Notre Dame. Um, so I guess basically what I'm telling you and, and what we've discussed so far tonight is I'm telling you I think that Florida State is going to go into Death Valley late in September and win that game. And then I think Notre Dame is going to come into Death Valley and lose later in, uh, you know, kind of in early November later in the year. Um, so Clemson, both of these teams, I think, finish with one loss. The difference, I think, is Clemson – having that loss in conference as opposed to Florida state having it out of conference. Fair enough. I mean, that's uh, look, it's perfectly logical. I think there are fair questions about Clemson because of Kate Klubnick, uh, you know, still a lot to prove. Obviously Clemson fans have been clamoring for the guy for a year. Um, but I like the consistency of Clemson not with the coaching staff because obviously they've made significant changes, but on the roster. It was interesting, though, at ACC Media Days when Dabo Sweeney said they didn't lose any starters off last year's team except to the NFL. 
And I and he said that while DJ Uyunglele is in Corvallis <laughs> getting ready to suit up for the Beavers. And I'm like, you know, just because Klubnik started the last game of the season for you, he wasn't the starting quarterback. You lost a starter to the transfer portal. It's okay. It was only one. But look, for all of the flack that Clemson's offense took, correctly so, they really only had one serious, serious deficiency. They were near the bottom of the country in plays of 50 yards or more. They were down there with like Rice and I don't even remember who else. But you get Garrett Riley in there with a revamped offense and and the weapons are there. I I like Clemson. I, you know, I think Clemson beats Florida State, but I, I also agree their losses in conference, I'm not sure there are any for either one of them. So I think it winds up being a a good championship game, but I also do think there's a significant drop-off after that. You know, it was kind of like you, you talked to everyone who was doing their ballot. Clemson and Florida State almost felt like an obvious to everybody, and then there was a whole bunch of debate back and forth as to who fills in three through five. Tony, the team that you brought up that I feel like I need to mention again is North Carolina. And mm-hmm. and that's another team I think has a chance. You know, obviously they've got the quarterback. Offensively, mm-hmm. they've been there. I just, to me, again, it's it's the defense. It's been historically the 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 ability to uh, you know have have a stinker here or there. You know, have a, have a bit of a, a, a clunker game at times. You know, I think back to the Georgia Tech loss last year. I'm a Georgia Tech fan. Mm-hmm. I had a great time mm-hmm. watching that game, but I also recognize like. North Carolina was favored by double, you know, well into double digits and should have been, and they were the better team and they should have won that game. Right. Something that they have done in previous years. Um, I, I guess the other thing is I have, I have reservations a little bit. You know, I, we talked about Drake May and he, how good that offense has been. <laughs> Let's not like ignore the fact that moving from uh, Phil Longo to Chip Lindsay, there was a scheme change there. Like Phil Longo, mm-hmm. kind of an air raid guy. Chip Lindsay coming mm-hmm. off the Malzahn tree, that is a little bit more of a power run. You know, it's a different look of an offense. Um, so I, I think there's a little bit of uncertainty there as well that I'll, I'll mention with, with North Carolina that makes me feel a little bit uncomfortable putting them top four, although the talent is there to get there if, if everything clicks. You know, look, I, and I totally get what you're saying with the change in offensive coordinators, and I think you're spot on with that. But I also look at the running back room, and it's one of the deepest positions on the team. Um, there isn't a standout guy. There isn't a thousand-yard rusher. But if Elijah Green is going to get another six, seven hundred yards this season, I think it's good enough. Um, you know, the the Tez Walker situation, you know, is still so random. But they're good at receiver. The defense is the one thing that is going to have the potential to trip them up. I mean, they were last in the conference in yards allowed and points allowed last year. You get that four or five spots better than what it was, which, you know, you can't fall off the floor, right? So so you're already on the floor. You got, you got to move up a little bit. You get four or five spots worth of improvement. I think the team is good enough. I agree with that. If they if they field an average defense to go along with that offense, yeah. I mean that's yep. talent wise. Talent wise, talent wise, it's certainly one of the one of the best mm-hmm. teams in the conference from a talent standpoint. 
I will say, looking back at our notes, and they're not they're not impeccable, but uh, hopefully one of our listeners can tell us. I think I might have picked five different teams to go eight and four in this. So uh, <laughs> up to you guys. Tell me, you know, I'm, I'm not sure the math works out on that, but uh, you know, anything is possible with a bunch of these teams. So I'm, keep that in mind. I'm the wrong guy to ask because because <laughs> Mike promised there would be no math in this appearance. So <laughs> <laughs> I never make Tony do math on this podcast. Yeah, <laughs> for good reason. <laughs> So we all have Florida State and Clemson and Charlotte there that that weekend after Thanksgiving. Uh, the yep. only difference maybe is you know who's wearing the white jerseys, who who's wearing the colored jerseys this this time around. Right. Tony, who wins the ACC championship game in December? Clemson. You got Clemson, Clemson in the regular season game. and yes, and it's a good game. It's a good game. The but you know because Florida State can compete with them offensively. Defensively, I still got to see it out of Florida State. Tons of talent. Love Jared Verse, but still got to see it from the entire defensive unit before I believe it. I'm going to go with Florida State. Uh, I I am so – I've been, once again, been so back and forth on this. I don't think Florida State beats Clemson in Death Valley. Um, I just don't, I, I don't think I see that happening. Let's see how I feel in a few weeks on that. Okay. We'll do the, we'll do the weekly preview. I'll let you guys know. Uh, what was it that Qualk told us about Clemson hadn't lost in death Valley since like the 2016 Pittsburgh game or something up until before, up until what the last one last year at South Carolina game. Oh yeah. Which, the rando South Carolina game. But, yeah. They don't, they, they just don't, they don't lose at home. I mean, I don't. It's why I just have trouble seeing them lose to Notre Dame in Death Valley. I I don't know. Um, Clemson's going to lose a random one in ACC play, I think. I'm just not sure it's going to be to Florida State. Um, and look, I, I even if Clemson goes 11 and one, right, and you know they make it to Charlotte. Um, or even if they go twelve and zero, right? Let's let's say they run the table and then they lose to Florida State, and Florida State uh, finishes the year, you know, without one loss. They they're getting in the playoff, right? In that scenario, and is Clemson is a one loss Clemson getting in with with no conference championship? I mean, we'll have to see what the other what the other teams are looking like. I just. It's just such a toss up. I and I know that contradicts another it contradicts another answer if I'm gonna say like a one, you know, if a Florida State makes a college football playoff there. But I don't know. I mean I just I keep falling on like eleven and two being the, the conference champion. So I think Florida State maybe wins the rematch because it is tough to beat a really talented team twice in the same year. We don't see it ha- we don't see it happen very often, right? That that hap- that that happens in and of itself, but then to you know to win that game later in the year, it's it's tough. Um, Going to be a more finished product. Both teams will be. If they're meeting early enough in the year that I think the rematch in the conference title game would be really really interesting. Hopefully, both teams are near full health, but it's late in the year, so we know that you know, you know one of these teams they're they're going to have somebody of significance banged up, but hopefully they're near full health at least in the starting units. But it's going to be a really interesting ACC title game, I think, because I, I do think there's a pretty high probability we're going to get a rematch. 
I'm with you, man. I've gone back and forth on this, and like I told you that I'm trying to work work from a uh, a whole cohesive theory standpoint, but can't do it. We can't. We're contradicting ourselves already. We just can't do it. <laughs> I know. I Everybody's know. eight and four. There's got to be there's got to be a few teams that miss a bowl game in the ACC. But we've said a lot of them are going to bowl games like before tonight in the individual previews. This always happens. Just yeah, yeah. Can't do it. ACC either going to have like seven or thirteen bowl game bowl teams. You know, no no in yeah. between. Like, yeah, probably like four in the port, four in the playoff. You know. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. The final four is the uh, the ACC playoff. Um, that'd be great. That'd be great for Jim <laughs> Phillips, Tony, huh? <laughs> <laughs> that, that, that would that would save him. Yes, <laughs> I'm going to go with Florida State as well. But part of what I'm struggling with, and what you said, Mike, and, and I'm gone back and forth, is I've told myself I feel like one of these teams wins in the regular season, and the other one wins in Charlotte in December. Yeah. Like whoever yeah. loses that first game is going to win the second one. Because, yeah. like you said, it's it's really tough to beat the same team twice, and especially as good as these teams are. Um, I'm going to say Florida State, and I think at that point what I'd be predicting is 12-1 and would have been beating Clemson twice. But, yeah, I'm trying to make it work in my head. Maybe they lose to LSU off the back and then win 12 in a row and then go to the playoff. I think that's my th- – that, that's the cohesive theory that we got to work with here. Um because if not, then yeah, I mean, I think eleven and two on the table. I'm probably going to pick LSU to beat Florida State. By the way, week one, I think you're going to um, have so, to. I think with working yeah, off this, yeah. I think you're going to have to. I think so too, um, and especially with the way the game went last year and all that stuff. I'm gonna, I'm probably going to pick LSU to beat Florida State. Um, yeah, yeah, cohesive theory uh, doesn't have to make total sense. Florida State beats Clemson both times. Twelve and one goes to the playoff, wins the ACC. Fair? Is it allowed? The listeners are now doing mental gymnastics, and so am I. Scott's shaking his head yes. He's in agreement. <laughs> Scott's going to edit this thing. Poor sucker. Uh, can't wait for Florida State to go like 7-5, and five, and then i got a lot of explaining to do in, uh, you. in late November. <laughs> you. I think all, all three of us would. I mean, at least Tony's not picking Florida State to win the conference, but I think we're all <laughs> in agreement there in the conference style game. So. That's right. That's right. All right. ACC Player of the Year prediction. Again, cohesive theory. I'm going Jordan Travis. I told you he'd probably go to uh, New York for the Heisman ceremony, too. So if that's the case, I think I think he's the guy for Player of the Year for the ACC. I'm going to go Drake May. Uh, it just seems like a layup. I, I feel like Carolina is just going to be good enough for him to get all the awards, consider, you know, garner all the award consideration he wants to. You know, he's an All-American candidate, a quarterback. I think if... Carolina goes like eight and four, and he throws for like thirty five hundred yards. I mean, that's, he'll he'll get that. Um, yeah, I'm gonna go with Drake May. Yeah, I, I I voted for Drake May on my ballot. It would be ridiculous for me to sit here and say Drake May's got a shot to go to New York for the Heisman, but he's not Conference Player of the Year. Um, you know, that'd be kind of you know talk about mental gymnastics. Um, so it's Drake May, but I got to tell you that there was a part of me that when I was doing my ballot wanted, cause I knew Drake May was going to win. I knew he was going to win the majority of the votes by a lot. Um, there was a part of me that wanted to put Will Shipley's name on there. And I got to tell you, it's because yes, he's that good of a running back, but he's that good of a special teams player. 
in a very meaningful way to Clemson. His value to that Clemson team, it's why they are going to get to the championship game with essentially a rookie quarterback still learning how to play the game. It's because they have a weapon who produces so much like Will Shipley. But again, I come to my to my senses and I knew that I had a thought that Drake May could make it to the Heisman final four, five, whatever they take this year. So I couldn't very well not vote for him for the player of the year. It's been meaningful to me the whole time that he showed up to like a consensus top 15 program, you know, call him flawed where you will or how you will. But like this guy showed up to a top 15 program as a true freshman and was their best skill player off the bat. Like mm-hmm. Will Shipley is special and he is a guy that again was another name I considered for this as well, that uh, I, I think he could have a really big year for them, especially again, new, new scheme, uh, new coordinator that might, might take advantage of him in ways that he hadn't been, Hadn't been leveraged in the last couple of years. ACC Coach of the Year. Again, cohesive theory, Mike Norvell. I, I think that's where I would go. But, of course, nobody was predicting Mike Elko before last year. So are we, uh, are we going anywhere unusual here this year? Oh, let's see. Go ahead, Tony. I'm not. Actually, Norvell is my pick. Even though it may sound counterintuitive since I picked him to lose the championship game, I think part of what makes him that is the turnaround, not just how good they are this year, but I think he gets a little bit of extra love for the turnaround that he has created in a program that, look, I'm I'm, I'm older than all you guys by a lot, all right? And... So the blue bloods and those kinds of things, I recognize that college football is better when programs like Florida State are good. It makes college football better when the big name programs are good. Um, whether it's Miami, Florida State, USC, yeah, whatever, but you know, so the Texas, you know, whomever. Um, and and the job that Norvell has done at Florida State. When there were red, there were some ready to cut him loose after year two, um, I, I I I think he gets a lot of props for getting into the championship game as the culmination of what he has done there during his time in in Tallahassee. Yeah, my pick's also going to be Norvell. I was trying to think outside the box, and I just I I can't just do that for the sake of being different. But I will say to go back to the cohesiveness theory, Joey, and you know, kind of abiding by that. I think in a world where Pittsburgh finishes third in the ACC, like I was suggesting earlier, I think Pat Narduzzi gets serious consideration because that probably means they finish like nine and three, which that's something they don't do very often. So, well, and that's kind of where Elko got his votes last year is you know pulling off something that nobody nobody saw coming, right. and so you know Elko deservedly so got all those votes, but it wasn't because you know it was an elite program; it was because he he took a program that wasn't going anywhere and turned it around in one year. Speaking of doing things that nobody saw coming, how about Miami making a bowl game? Mario Cristobal? Yeah. Anybody? I I yeah. thought about that. Yeah. That's a, that's another name. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I mean, if they if they like you know put it all together, jump up to eight and four, nine and three, like I think Cristobal absolutely a candidate for coach coach of the year. Yeah. Uh, you know. Now, am I projecting him to make a bowl game? Uh, yeah. Right. Uh, <laughs> Right? Go back to that question. Yes, earlier. I think they make a bowl game this year. Yes. Miami fans, leave me alone. It's fine. 
They make they make a they make a bowl game as a seven and five team. I don't think that's enough to give them coach of the year. I agree, totally agree. I look forward to somebody interviewing Mario Cristobal before the Gasparilla Bowl. Yeah, <laughs> how, how Miami feels about going to Tampa before Christmas uh, to play a bowl game. But in any case, yeah, I think uh, I you, will say this from too. Experience last year, it's very exciting. <laughs> Fair enough. Hey, I've been to Tampa a couple times. I, you know, cool place, fun place to go. So yeah, I, I, I was there. I was there for the uh, Gasparilla Bowl, and it was, you know, it was something. <laughs> That's a good way of putting it. Go ACC to that. Uh, the other, I don't know. I, you, you could look at a couple of those and think of teams that might jump up, and you know, again, things fall into place. I will say this: I, I feel like at this point, especially expectations being what they are, I think Dabo has a uh, like. I don't know, aged out of this or what, I don't know what the right term is, but basically like almost ineligible for this award. Like everyone kind of knows what he is and what kind of program he runs. Like we're not voting him ACC coach of the year. I don't think. And the thing, and the thing is the hardcore college football fans, the people like us that have realized that Dabo wouldn't really make the hard call as far as changes to his coaching staff in a really, really long time, really since he had first gotten to Clemson. Um, fired Billy Napier it's been a long time like it's been a long time since he's made the type of change that he made this offseason going to get Garrett Riley if Clemson were to run the table like I'm talking like go and, and not even run the table I mean just simply make it to Charlotte win an ACC championship game I mean Clemson Dabo's got to be in the conversation and I agree with the overall premise that you know they're they've been so excellent for so long but the last couple years, they have been kind of a half tier below that, right? Especially kind of what we saw last year with the offense and really, I mean, two years ago in 21 as well. But I, I think Dabo is a worthy candidate if Clemson gets themselves back to a college football playoff, has that kind of year. Sure, he is, and it, it may not be fair. Well, no, it's not fair. But he's he's got a hard time winning it for meeting expectations. Yeah. The expectations are huge; they're way up here. But he met them, and congratulations on meeting <laughs> meeting the expectations. And you know, good for you. If he if he does it, if the season goes well enough that he makes the four team playoff, then I think it's a different conversation. And you know, he probably you know he probably gets a lot more votes for coach of the year. But for winning the conference, but not getting any further than that, uh, in terms of the postseason, he met expectations, and it's not fair. But that's the way it is. College football isn't fair much at all anymore, so it's the way it goes. Not even close. All right, that's all I got. Preview in the ACC. Y'all have anything else we should uh, bring up? I think we've hit on every team here so far in some form or fashion. So any uh, closing thoughts before we on wrapping up, getting out of here, and uh, going to actually watch some real football games? Hey, I watched the games on Saturday, whether they were real <laughs> or not. <laughs> I, I, I watched them. I, will I go lost real my, money on I, a couple of those games. I will go through my second year of trying to figure out what East Coast sports fans, what East Coast college football fans do with their Saturday mornings. You have an excessive amount of free time. Golf. 
Oh, okay, but I gave up golf. The, so I guess Smart. I got to pick it up again if I'm going to live out here. The the being on the West Coast all of those years uh, and covering UCLA and even covering SMU for a year, but being out on the West Coast, college game day started at 6 a.m. Now, since I'm usually up at 3.30 or 4 in the morning, I was ready, man. I'd already had plenty of coffee and was ready to go. First game was on at 9 a.m. West Coast time. And you're watching until Hawaii is done at, you know, 1 in the morning West Coast time. It was glorious. I had a hard time getting used to it last year, being in Charlotte. I'm like, wait, what do you mean game day doesn't start until 9 a.m.? What, what do I do with all these hours in the morning? This is this is insanity. So I will still be getting used to that, you know. ACC football, in theory, at least in an ACC team, actually kicks off Thursday with uh, that great showdown of Wake Forest hosting Elon. So that'll be a bar. <laughs> Go Phoenix, burn. baby! Go Phoenix, indeed. Yes, yes. It uh, it'll 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 be interesting. I, I you know last year was VMI at the season opener. Now it's Elon. Wake Forest is going to go 4-0 to start the season, and then it's just going to be hard the rest of the year. Um, so it's a 7-5 team that I'm going to be covering this year. You know, So it'll be difficult. Two things to Post-press conference pizza, though, I bet. True. <laughs> That's that, true. That is true. Uh, two things I want to add. Number one, Scott and I have lost plenty of bets on Hawaii. So yep. uh, watching them at like 2 a.m. East Coast time. So don't sleep on that. Now that yep. you're on the East Coast, Tony, that's about the time you wake up, yep. it sounds like. So, I mean, you'll be. <laughs> well, college football Saturday, I just don't go to sleep. Yeah, I just right. Don't exactly. Even bother. Right. Yeah. Um, but on the off chance you did fall asleep, you'll be awake in time for the fourth quarter now on the East Coast. Exactly. And then, secondly, do you guys have like, maybe we touched on this a little bit. Do you guys have like a surprise team in the ACC? We didn't really touch on it. Maybe we did indirectly in another question. Just curious what you guys have there. I mean, I guess it depends on how you how you determine a surprise. Is there someone else who I think could sneak into the championship game? No, I don't. I think that Clemson and Florida State are significantly better than the rest of the conference. So, no, I don't think someone else sneaks in there. Could Louisville sneak up from where I had them at number five to number three or number four? Yeah, sure. You know, um, that's as far as they're going to get. You know, could North Carolina's defense improve and make them the number three team? Yeah. You know, um, is Syracuse going to be good? No. So, you know, I guess it depends on how you define a surprise team. I'm going to say Boston College. Um, not, not a team that, again, like, I don't think that they're going to jump up and make it to Charlotte or anything like that. But like, if you think Boston college is going to win four games, I mean, I think that's a valid prediction, but I, I think there's a chance they could win seven or something like that. You know, again, out of conference, pretty forgiving, but also I, I think with the way that they're, they had injury problems last year, especially on the offensive line. I think it got a lot of guys some playing time that now, you know, you've got depth there you've gotten the guys that were hurt are now now healthy the guys that played last year now have some experience i think it it sets up pretty well for boston college to be sneaky pretty solid decent you know maybe be like a seven and five kind of team um i I would not sleep on them 
Um, and I am I am doing my damnedest over here to not bring up Georgia Tech that uh, I think could be sneaky solid this year. I think their problems were not roster related. I think that their coaching staff was running a little bit of a circus in practice. And I think having some adults in the room actually running a decent practice, they might be a lot more competent than you have seen in recent years. So I will throw that out there. Uh, I did, you know, I fully willing to entertain the discussion of they might not make a bowl game. Like their win total is four and a half, I think for a good reason. So keep that where it is. But I think they might surprise some people this year. Just again, because they've got some adults in the room now instead of Jeff Collins' flying culture circus, whatever nonsense he was running around with down there. It was ridiculous. My favorite was his above the line depth chart for the ATL. <laughs> uh, depth charts. My, yeah, that's right. Yeah, I know. I don't know what else to call it, so I have to call it depth chart because I just don't even know what that was. Uh, everybody who was worthy to play, I guess, or whatever. Uh, my team would be NC State, potentially, because if the Anai and Armstrong thing goes really well to go along with what they have on defense, that is a number three or number four team in the ACC, probably, instead of, like, middle of the pack, which is kind of where they've been predicted with basically everybody else. So I guess that would be my team that could potentially jump up there. But I want to sneak that one in there. Oh, absolutely. I, I thought about that one earlier. I'm glad you brought it up. Mike, that's all I got. Anything else before we uh, we let Tony go here? Uh, all set on my end. Tony, appreciate you joining us once again. You're always willing to come on with us, which we definitely appreciate because if we need a guest, no, we like to, to go into the Rolodex. So I want to give you an opportunity to plug where you're at. <laughs> oh, yeah, sure. Absolutely. So last word on college football part of the last word on sports network believe it or not if you are actually one of those people who watches things other than college football then we have a whole bunch of departments with 400 writers around the world i've discovered we have people in australia and new zealand covering rugby um they've tried explaining it to me i my eyes kind of glaze over after a while but you know all good um college football department we were blessed during the off season while a lot of uh, digital media outlets were in a cutback position, we were in an ad addition phase of adding writers. And so we've got a full staff of 30 people across the country covering different teams. So I encourage you to jump on and, you know, not only get to my Wake Forest and ACC coverage, but there's plenty of coverage from across the country. Uh, you can find us on Facebook as well and uh, Instagram and Twitter. Uh, at last word on CFB, you can find me on Twitter if you want to haggle over some of the stuff I said at Tony Bruin. So even though I moved from Los Angeles to Charlotte, I did not change my handle to Tony Demon Deacon or anything like that. Uh, it was Steven. too much of a hassle. Steven so you can Deeks, find baby. me at Tony Bruin. Tony, this has been a ton of fun. Really appreciate you coming on. Good to meet you, by the way. Uh, good having you, you on this well. year. We look forward to having you back. Uh, Mike, I think that does it. That does it for previews. Let's uh, let's work on getting out of here so we can come back and preview some games. How's that sound? It took us until August 27th, right up against it, heading into week one, but we did it. Clock's about to strike midnight on the East Coast, so uh, let's let's work on <laughs> work on getting out of here as we've uh, we've made our deadline just barely. 
we're going to come back. We're going to preview week one, and uh, we'll have all sorts of coverage here throughout the season, so keep it tuned here. Uh, hopefully you've enjoyed our season preview coverage of each, all, every one of the 14 ACC teams and now the entire conference as a whole. Uh, go check out those episodes. They're on iTunes, Spotify, YouTube, anywhere that our podcasts are found, so go find them there. Uh, we're on Twitter at FTRS Joey, at Mike McDaniel SI, at BC Podcast ACC. And once again, go find Mr. Tony Syracusa at Tony Bruin on, on Twitter. He, he does cover Wake Forest, but still Tony Bruin. Um, <laughs> and that's, and by the way, I, I said Twitter. It's, it's actually X or, you know, whatever we're calling it these days. Whatever. Shout out to Elon Musk, not, not Musk, the, not, not, yeah. not the team not that's going to lose by, yeah, not, not the, the team that's going to lose by 40 to Wake Forest. Yeah. <laughs> Gotta be very clear, very clear. Uh, Mike, they can send us emails to the longest email address known to man, basketballconferencepodcast at gmail.com. Nailed it. Thank you. Uh, where else are we on the social medias, Mike? Facebook. Facebook.com slash basketballconference. Rate, review, find some of our podcasts there, maybe even this one. Uh, Instagram at BC Podcast ACC. We post all of our picks there throughout the year, so we'll fire that up. And youtube.com slash at the ACC football podcast, as far as I know. Scott, that correct? Yeah, that's correct. Uh, thanks, everyone, who's been engaging on YouTube. That's been a lot of fun this preview season. Uh, we might be changing the handle to be more one-handle podcast. That was really poorly said. But um, keep giving us feedback. Keep commenting. It's cool to see and interact with you guys on YouTube. So thanks. Yeah, drop your comments at the bottom here. Uh, hit the bell icon. Hit subscribe. Uh, all those things that other YouTubers tell you to do, please do. Um, and yeah, we'll, we'd love to hear your thoughts on anything we've said here or, uh, you know, as the, as the season starts to roll on here, we'll, we'll keep having videos there. So keep commenting as you, as you will. And you have thoughts on what we say. So appreciate it there, Mike. That's all I've got. You want to come back and preview week one? Yep. We're going to have locks and spreads and my God, we're going to be held to picks, which is always scary. Lots and lots of picks for the people to fade as is tradition. Oh yeah. All right, looking forward to it. Well, until next time, for Mr. Mike McDaniel, for Mr. Tony Syracusa, and for producer Scott, I am Joey Weaver. Thank you guys so much for listening. We will talk to you again soon, very, very soon. And until then, go ACT. Go ACT.